podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, that's a Putting you on, you're on speaker. So are you, it's double speaker. I don't know if it's loud enough. All right, say your, say hi. Hi. There's like a fan directly blowing on me, so I'm wondering if that's gonna like be too noisy for the pod. Let me turn it off. Don't overthink it. It will be, it will be too loud. It's hot as balls out. I know. That's why I feel really bad for the servers out there in their masks and shit. Because when I'm at work, outside in my mask in the heat, I fucking feel like I'm going to hyperventilate. And it's torture and it's awful. That is so true. Like, uh, that's something I actually didn't even think about that. That would be like when um, I used to wait tables. I, uh, yeah, we would have an outdoor section. And it was like always a nightmare. I was thankful to like come back into the air conditioning every time. And it, I was always like, why do these people want to sit outside where it's hot as shit? It's like something in the nineties today. Um, and then not only that you're in the city. So like, it smells like complete ass outside. It's like, it's like smells like hot trash. Right. Like I wouldn't be comfortable. It wouldn't be like enjoyable. And then on top of it, you have to Gross. wear, and I would be like, and and, and like, I feel like they're giving people like disposable plastic, like silverware and shit. Like that sucks. Like I'm, I'm cooking at home. Yeah, just like cook at home. Like I know, like I want servers to get money, but you know what? I want servers to get unemployment. That's what I want them to get. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want them to have health insurance. That's what I want them to have. Yeah, I want them to have health insurance and to get unemployment and not to like be like, risking their lives to serve people yeah. brunch on a hot-ass, trash-smelling city street, like... Nope, not supporting it. The other thing is, when you're... It's bullshit, by the way. It's fucking bullshit. Like, they're like, support our system. Mm -hmm. But, re like, they're like, oh, really? Like, you're supporting the little the, the servers. They need you to go. That is fucking bullshit. You're supporting this system that mistreats workers, and you're going there and supporting it, like, when it's literally saying, are, these people are expendable, their lives are expendable, so that we can make money off of them. Like, as people sit in their homes, like, the owners of these places a lot of the time. Like, fuck that. I just think it's it's also an indication of, um, you know, the petite bourgeoisie, like, how much um, the capitalism keeps, like, that class of people in check is to give them the luxury of feeling like they're waited on by the serving class and it yep. just like and that like seriously just giving people like shit like that makes it appeases them to such a you know a, a level that they're not gonna like revolt against you know the the status quo or any shit like that like because they're they, they get to have like their brunch on sundays and right they think that. they're part of the ruling class because they feel like they're living in luxury and someone's serving them, like you said. Someone's beneath them. Yeah. That's And it's like, look, I don't, I mean, I'm not someone who likes cooking, okay? Um, but 
And I, you know, I mean, even like my mom's, like we, like I was hanging out with my mom again. We went down the shore. I saw my mom. I hadn't seen her in like since March. Um, I got tested before I saw my mom. Um, and I, you know, apparently I do want to say this. Uh, if you're living, if you live in the Philadelphia area, I'm sure it's the same in Delco, but there are a lot of free places if you, well, and if you go to philo.gov, I can't really help for Delco. And obviously I care because this is two hoes from Delco that you're listening to. Um, but I, uh, found a testing site in my neighborhood that was free and it, they do a screening call, which is the only prerequisite to setting up an appointment. But anyway, it was free and it was super easy and it was outside and I got tested. I didn't get the test like you asked, um, about with you, where you can see if you have the antibodies. Um, yeah, there's one of those in King of Prussia, I think. So, do you know anything about that? Like, no, I don't. I just like heard of it honestly, like this week, and I heard that there was a place in King of Prussia, and I really don't know if it's like very anything about it at all. And I think we, as a whole, like we don't even know how long the antibodies last because so like the corona. I guess like the cold is like a coronavirus too. Yeah, um, it's another form. So like. Those antibodies only last a few months, so it's going to be really shitty if you can get reinfected and reinfected and reinfected with this because it really fucks up your organ systems, and you know what I mean? It's like people are coming out with, like, heart problems, so, like, what if they get it again? Yeah, and I was also kind of feeling hopeful about opening up over the summer because... uh, I was like, oh, well, if it's, like, a cold virus, like, you know, in the hot weather... um, you know, you're not going to, you have less of a chance to get a cold because the molecules deteriorate in the air or whatever the fuck, because it's hot and humid. But I mean, look at Florida, everything that's spiking right now are hot areas of our country. So that's obviously not true. Um, Nope. Yeah. I mean, our president did say that would be true. And he said it would disappear like a miracle in the hot weather. (laughs) Um, So I can see why you would fucking think that, but no, no. Nope. And here we are. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're going, we're going, we're in the rise again, apparently. We're, we're, uh, yeah. which is surreal because we're, we're in the yellow phase and we're supposed to be opening up green. Although Philadelphia did announce that indefinitely there will be no indoor dining till That's like dead. August. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I, I want to speak on behalf of two hosts from Delco just to say that like fucking don't go out to eat. Like we, like let's get these servers some fucking unemployment. And so they don't have to risk their fucking health just so you can like sit on a hot trash, like city street and like, you know, get some pancakes or whatever. I don't know what the fuck you're eating your brunch ass fucking shit. That's right. I agree. I'm just like... And I know so many people that have gone out to eat. And, like, seriously, I am low-key judging you. Like, if you're listening to this, now you know. I'm fucking judging you. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but, like, I don't think it's cool. And, like, I, I don't... I can see why you would want to. I can see why people are desperate for normalcy. I get it. But, like, fucking come on. Yeah. You're, like, you're risking another person's health. 
to be waited on. It's fucking gross. And none of the the people who are outside eating are wearing a mask. Like, obviously, because they're, they're eating and drinking. They're eating. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, so there's nothing protecting those servers. Yeah. It's bullshit. It is. It's really... I, I'm, like, so glad I'm not waiting tables uh, right yeah. now because that shit... That would, like fucking annoy me to no end if I had to wait tables in this shit. I, I just can't even. I can't even imagine wearing the gloves like, the wearing those nitrine or whatever the fuck gloves. Like, your hands get all like hot and sweaty. It's horrible. Like, um, and also there was like a time when I was cleaning, I, I would wear those gloves all the time, obviously, because like, you know, I'm touching a lot of nasty shit as a house cleaner. But I stopped wearing them because they actually gave my hands a rash. Mm, you need um, the purple. Yeah, I guess so. It was because, well, I had, I did get those too. Are you talking about the ones that are like oatmeal coated or something? I don't know. We just have like regular and then, well, we have latex gloves and then purple nitrile gloves. And the latex gloves, some people have a latex allergy. If you are already using the purple nitrile, then I don't know. I was already using the purple ones, yeah. Yeah. And it, the reason why I think I got a rash on my hands was because they were hot and sweaty in the gloves. And my, like, then by the time I was done cleaning a house, like, you take them off and your hands are all wrinkled because they just And you get, have cleaning solution in there, like, yeah. stopping in your hands. Yeah, yeah. It happens to me at my work. So I started to get, like, breakout, like, rashes on my hands. So yeah. I just stopped using them. But... So I'm just like, when I see servers having to wear them, I'm like, that's definitely happening to them. You know, it just sucks. Mm -hmm. It's just not cool. Like, fucking, just fucking stop. And, like, trying to talk in those masks is actually the worst thing. Like, especially if you're outside in the heat. Like, I find if it's, like, over, mm, I don't know, 80 degrees, maybe a little bit more, yeah. um, when I'm outside talking in the mask, or even actually not even when it's that hot. If I have to talk for a long time in a mask, I start to feel like I'm having like a panic attack or an asthma attack. I can't breathe. And um, when for, servers have to talk for a long time at every single table, that's like what you do. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's it's horrible. Also, it's also to me like a blatant example of the critique of the petite bourgeoisie through Marxism, which is that they are a completely worthless class for the work to work for the working class towards um you know gaining control and the reason being is because they're so placated by um trying to be rich or trying to emulate the elite classes like in any way they can and it's very easy to just throw them you know, a, through a few bones to make them feel like they're like living the high life and then it just because or a new iPhone, exactly. And so, like, when, for instance, in case in point, what is happening right now, for instance, servers are, as workers, are being abused right now and forced to go back to work when it is not safe. They're forced to be going back to work. Now, if people who could just fucking not go out to brunch for a little bit, if we all, in solidarity, were okay with cooking our own fucking meals, right... And we, yeah. we didn't go to the restaurants, even though they opened. They would have a right to collect unemployment. Right. But because we're not in solidarity with these workers, they are forced to go to work and risk their health and their fucking lives just so you can be waited on. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, you know, and again, the argument can be made for what 
what we now deem as essential workers, like grocery store workers and stuff. Like, no, we have proven like we need people to be able to go to the grocery store to buy food. Okay. And that does suck that they have to risk their life. They also, what really especially sucks is they're not paid well. So, and they're not getting paid sick leave and all that kind of shit. But we do need grocery store workers. We need people to be working to keep our lights on. We need people to be working to like make sure sanitation. We do need our, we need our, our trash, uh, men and women out there collecting trash. Like these are, they are like, this is what keeps society moving. And if anything that is exemplified through this is that they are not compensated fairly. And that's the problem there. But servers... No, like, not essential. Not essential. And because you're, like, playing into it to get some fucking brunch on a hot-ass trash street in, like, fucking July, you know, uh, that's, like, it's just so fucked. It's not cool. Yeah. Anyway, fuck you people. And you're listening to Two Hosts from Delco with Beth Heinley. Two Hosts from Delco. Yeah, with Beth Heinley and Moraine Cummings. Um, And uh, let's see. If you want to find us on Twitter, please do. Although, Maureen, you haven't really been on Twitter, have you? No, I can't fucking do it. I can't deal with it. Good for you. Well, you know what you missed then? What? You missed Kanye West's announcement to run for president. Um, I saw that he's running for president. Oh, where did you <laughs> it, see it? it in. I mean, I heard I... it from, you know, other people. Uh-huh. And, well, one other person. And um, it was on my, like, news on my phone. Oh, I okay. can't, can't fucking get away from it. I don't know, Reddit, maybe. I go on Reddit. Oh, okay. Reddit's cool because I feel like you could really be a voyeur on Reddit. Like, yeah, I've never, I haven't been compelled to be like a commenter on Reddit, which is uh-huh. why I enjoy it there. Yeah, um, I comment more now, but like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like on Twitter, you just, you eventually, you just feel compelled to like tweet, like you can't help yeah. it, even though like nobody's fucking listening to you anyway, because you have like 500 followers. Well, not you, you have like 12,000. They don't see my tweets anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and they don't see it, I guess, if it's like you don't get enough likes off the bat or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you get lost in the algorithm. But um, in any case, yeah, so yeah, you miss Kanye's whatever. But Marine's on, if you want to like, Marine, I guess you log on once a month or some shit. Yeah. Um, if you want to tweet at Marine and get in touch with her, you can. Her Twitter is at mocom, lowercase m. Lowercase o, lowercase c, lowercase u, lowercase m, 99. Now, listen, Marine's last name is spelled Cummings with two m's, but she only has one m in her Twitter handle, okay? so I want it to be more sexual. Yeah, she's trying to get um, people It's not to, true. If I really wanted that, I would put, like, three m's. It would be, like, mo cum 99. Oh, like, mmm. Mm, yeah. yeah, like sexy. No, ninety nine. Um, and my Twitter handle is really fucking boring. It's just my name, Beth Heinley. 
Um, I feel like such a nerd about that and I'm ashamed, but you know, I joined Twitter when it was invented in 2007 and I didn't know what it would become. I didn't know what the rules were, you know, so just don't at me <laughs> don't at me. Um, I just didn't know. I didn't know anyway. So I have a really boring, um, ad handle. You can actually now, there's a few people that do like straight their name. And I guarantee if you check their profile, people who do straight their name, you'll see that they joined right when Twitter Twitter started. We were all kind of on the same boat. Like we didn't Not know. knowing. We didn't know was, we were supposed to be pioneers. Cool. Yeah, like, you know, be something like the trash like, verse. Uh, you know, uh, one person I follow their ad is gay stepdad sixty nine. That's great. That is excellent. <laughs> Um, you know, I fucked up and anyway, so get in touch with us there. So, uh, today's podcast, uh, let's try to move away from our, our rant fucking assholes going to restaurants. Um, and we're going to be talking about today. Let's talk about our topic. Our topic today is the young ones, which is a British television show Written by uh, Ben Alton, Rick Mayall, and Lisa Mayer. And it is uh, Maureen and I's, one of Maureen and I's favorite uh, comedy shows. Like when Maureen and I lived together back in the day, back in the aughts, in the early aughts. Yeah, in the early, in the early 2000s. In the early aughts in Fishtown, we, I don't know, yeah. did we discover? We were in the early aughts. We were in the early aughts and the early times of the hipster. In the early times of the hipster. And I would like to also sidebar here to describe my theory on what the hipster is. So I think the hipster is a lower middle class individual who is able to dress in a way that appears like they are of a higher class than they actually are. So that working class people hate them. And, um, they're basically, uh, yeah, like they're, they're the gig workers in our economy and, and some of them are able to move up to a higher class, which is why like people in working class hate them and other hipsters hate themselves as well because, uh, of jealousy of like anyone who might move up in the ranks. And it's really hard to tell because the way we dress is like, you know, artistic, like it looks poor. But there's definitely a style or a fashion to that. So you, yeah. can't, you can't really place them. You can't really place if they're wealthy or not wealthy. And, and the, these kind of things, like when people are walking down the street, they like to understand what class a person is in based on what they're dressed as. So the hipster is an anomaly in that sort of sense. You can't really tell. Um, but yeah, so Maureen and I were hipsters in Fishtown because Maureen and I moved to Fishtown, uh, which is a working class Polish and German neighborhood, also Irish Catholic, as described in every news article about the protests that happened there during Black really? Lives Matter. Yes, Maureen. That's I'm, how they're putting the area out yeah, there? Yeah. All the Weird. newspapers are describing um, Fishtown as I Irish guess it Catholic. Is. Yeah, Polish German. Yeah. Well, no, it is Polish and German, but they're describing it in the newspapers as Irish Catholic. Oh, it's Irish Catholic. Which I find insulting because they're basically saying Irish Catholic people are white trash. 
Because they have no idea that it is not Irish Catholic over there, okay? It's all the same to them. It's all the same to them. Um, and, yeah, like the the douchebags that were, like, had baseball bats or whatever and were attacking yeah. Black Lives Matter protesters. Had, were they Irish Catholic? Have, what's that? Were they Irish Catholic? No. What the fuck does their religion even have to do with it? Exactly. Dude. I mean, it's Philadelphia. I get why you would fucking say that, but it's, yeah. It's really... It's I, Kensington. It's it, Kensington. Yeah. Um, when we moved there, my dad said to me, you're moving to Kensington. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Fishtown is like a triangle that's by Kensington. Yeah. Um, oh my god, my neighbors are coming home. I should take a picture of this dog one day. They have the ugliest ass dog. Oh, it's, it's probably adorable to me. No, no way. It's like a mutt that has been bred between a small and a large dog, and he's like really fat. Um, Aww, just fat. No, he's not. Anyway, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, Fishtown is not fucking Irish Catholic. I'm like, I really am insulted by it because obviously you're I'm, Irish Catholic. because I'm Irish Catholic and I just yeah. feel like they're just baselining. They're like, Oh, racist white trash people, Irish right. Catholic. And Poor white people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck you. That's like totally not even true. And also it's insulting to the Polish heritage, the rich Polish heritage that exists in Fishtown. Anyway, um, Maureen and I moved there as a couple of Irish Catholics. No, I was kidding. Um, we did. But we were hipsters in the sense that we were outsiders to the neighborhood. And our presence eventually is what gentrified the whole fucking thing. Um, right. And yeah, it participating in the gentrification. Mm-hmm. Which is like, that's the thing. Gentrification always happens when there's lower middle class um, gig workers that move into the neighborhood and make it seem safe and cool for all the other white people who are afraid of working class white people. Then they're like, oh, there's hipsters there. So it's OK for us to move there. And that's how it works across the board um, in every yeah. city across America. Um, and anyway, so, yeah, Marie and I were gentrifiers of Fishtown back in the early aughts. And we... I swear to God, I think I watched The Young Ones on Comedy Central in high school. I don't know. Did you? No. I don't think I ever really knew about it until you introduced me to it. And, um, yeah, that's it. So, I did introduce you to it. So yeah, I, I remember. Was, I can't remember how, when I... I think I watched it... Because part of me wonders if I watched it on PBS... Or something like that, like public access television. I think I might Probably, because they used to play, like, a ton of British comedy. And also, being into AdFab, I could see how that would lead you into finding the young ones. Because I guess, like, I was, like, looking at the uh, Wikipedia thing. And I guess, like, they had a comedy club that was somehow involved with, like, French and Saunders. Yeah, the comedy store. I could be confusing it. But, no, you're yeah, not. So, the comedy store. Oh, the comedy store. Right. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they had a lot of involvement with Jennifer Saunders, who was the absolutely fabulous. And Jennifer Saunders was in an episode of The Young Ones, too. I made sure to watch that one. Yeah, that that's like, she's funny. Um, I love she's Jennifer funny. Saunders. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but we're not going to talk about the topic just yet. We're just, we just like get into the topic a little bit. 
And then we move into... Topic T's. Topic T's. Mo come 99. And then we get into segments of the podcast from there. Um, so segments of the podcast are, and this is like, you know, I would, I would like to liken this to the young ones, the young ones structure. The young ones are, was like, they were like a parody of, uh, television happening at the time in, um, London and, uh, and they like poke fun of, um, you know, you know, common genres in, in public access television within their television show. And like the young ones, so does two hosts from Delco. And a way that podcasts function is that they have sections. Um, one, for instance, like we don't have an advertising section, okay, because nobody listens to this podcast. So it would be kind of stupid to have um, an advertising section, but an advertising section is uh, a big part of a lot of podcasts. And then, and then they talk about um, how to, I don't know, join their Patreon. They talk about that in the podcast. And then podcasts like do they do uh, recaps sometimes? You know, um, we have a recap section. Uh, another section of our podcast we have a Delco section where we talk about Delaware County because we're two hosts from Delco. We also have, uh, we do an apology section because we're two white women. So we have a lot to apologize for. We say a lot of things because of our white privilege that we don't understand that we did. And then we listen and then we're like, oh my God, we did that wrong because we just didn't know because we have, uh, we're white privileged white women. Um, and th so we do an apology section. I also like to invite the apology section is supposed to be almost like, are a comment section for the podcast where people who listen can write to us and ask us to apologize for things. We're always like, you know, begging for people to write us. On you are, because you like to apologize, white lady. On Twitter and ask us to apologize oh, for things. And even though it, do it doesn't happen that often, we have um, gotten, we've gotten some, um, We've gotten some people that write in and ask us to apologize for thing for things. Mostly, though, I would say uh, it's only been cis white males who have written us to ask us to apologize, which, um, you know, I guess that's fine. But when I created the apology section, I was kind of hoping for LGBTQI people I was hoping for black people to write in and ask us to apologize, or BIPOC, as I should uh, talk about the entire community of people who are marginalized. I was hoping that they would write in and ask us to apologize, because I think they know best uh, of the offensive things that we say and do on this show, more so... Yeah, they're the ones we're offending. Yeah. Um, we go on even think, except it turns out we're just offending cis white men. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of disappointing. So, I, you know, if you could, uh, you know, please do get at if us. If you're gay, if you're black. If you're gay. If minorities. You're, if you're black. Anything you hear us say, just write to us. Mm -hmm. um, but so that's one of the sections of the podcast. We also have a racist confession section of the podcast. Uh, this is our most sensational uh, section of the podcast, I would say. Wouldn't you say, Maureen, are the most sensational? What do you mean by sensational? I mean, like, sensational in the sense where we candidly talk about 
openly talk about being racist, which is not something a lot of white people are very open about unless they're voting for Donald Trump. Then they're like really into being racist. But white power racists. Yeah. See, we're, I feel like we're just like, oh, like totally. Well, for me, I'm just like totally fucking ignorant to most things outside of my head. Yeah. So. And I grew up in a white area. I grew up in, like, a specific kind of white area, an Irish Catholic, actual Irish Catholic white area called Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. Which and, um, has the highest racist, Even though I was taught by my parents that, like, everyone was the same and, like, I mm. consider myself to be extremely forward-thinking and progressive, doesn't matter. Like, you have it. Yeah, it's still like, but yeah, you could say that, but we're, we're still what they call systemic racism. We still right. live in uh, segregated neighborhoods where right. um, a, people's race becomes like an other, you know, uh, and we have uh, presidents running for president or politicians that kind of like force an agenda of xenophobia onto... Uh, people to drive us to fear to fear based voting and you know and this affects us and it's in it's in everything it's in our media it's in uh, our breakfast cereal it's in our music uh, you know I just read I was just reading um, well I'm not reading it's an audio I'm audio booking uh, Christopher Lash's culture of narcissism Oh, that sounds interesting. You would love it. it. You would love I it. I want to. Yeah, send me the title, please. Yeah, I will. Uh, you would love it. Um, and there's so many books right now. Yeah, there's so many books. I haven't like again. I still haven't. I really can't wait to finish my two art books I have, so I can get into like just a straight up fucking fiction. I just would love to read. I haven't read a fiction novel in like six months. I mean, I can't think of the last time, honestly, that I did, and um, someone just sent me a link to a, the audiobook of 1984, which I've actually never read 1984, and oh, really? I feel like, you know, there's never been a better time. Yeah, like, I'm aware of it, I'm aware of the story, yeah. I'm aware of the references. I mean, you liked I Animal Farm never read so it. much. Huh? You liked, I remember you loved Animal Farm in high school, so I think... I do, well, yes, exactly. So I've never read, though, 1984. Yeah. Because, you know what, it's really... I've definitely gone through read whatever. I'm not going to get into my reading ins and outs, but um, yeah, I just have never read it yet, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah, it's not that long either. Yeah, uh, I know. I've seen book. like I've had the book I think in my possession and been surprised at how short it is, and still never read it. Um. Yeah, you you get into it. Uh, I I should probably reread it. I don't even remember it. I did. I have read it, but I like. I only know, like, there's, like, things I, I call to all the time in, like, because the it is so relevant to, like, um, authoritative government and, like, yeah. living in the uh, surveillance state like we do today. Yeah. So it's very uh, relevant. Um, yeah. But so... Everything we were afraid that was going to happen. They, to they told us. <laughs> they told us. And, I mean, when was the book written? In the 60s or something? Yeah. And like, it also melts you know, into whatever, a, fucking 80 years ago. Yeah. 60 years ago. <laughs> it okay. melts into a lot of um, other books too. Like I, I always kind of get it mixed up when I try, when I'm like remembering it to Fahrenheit 451, Ray Bradbury. That's another good um, government's out to get you book. 
great mm. sci-fi elements to it too because I think Fahrenheit 451 is the one where you have a giant TV screen that oh. like your whole you have your wall in your living room like one entire wall in your living room is a television screen and his wife is like addicted to the screen it's like so what like yeah um, huh. makes total sense for today and it, it also yeah, like I mean holy shit down. yeah but Jesus I think, Christ. but I get them all mixed up because then there's also, I believe 1984 has screens as well. Um, and also like you're kind of, you have to do like an exercise regimen every morning. And I think that's 1984, but it could be Fahrenheit 451. I get them all mixed up. Um, and then there's do Android's dream of electric sheep. That's another good one. Um, that's Philip K. Dick, which is like. I feel like I may have read that, but I don't remember it. Anyway, um, we're going we're going off topic here. That's something we do here as well. We go off topic, um, but let's get into let's get into the apology section first because I actually have a lot of I have some um, white lady apologies that I could read um, that have oh, happened. How exciting. Yes, it's very exciting because I actually I don't know. I don't really think I have anything to apologize for in our last episode. Uh, what was our last episode? Meditation. Meditation. Yeah. How can we have anything to apologize about for meditating? Like, I actually didn't listen. To, I really can't listen. Sometimes I go through times where I can't listen to myself. So I haven't listened to it yet, but I don't feel like it. Uh, I don't know. I don't think anything problematic really happened. And nobody I'm sure something us. did because it's us. Uh, yeah, I'm sure, but nobody wrote us, so, um, for the apology. We didn't get caught. In lieu of, yeah, we didn't get caught. In lieu of that, let's talk about some people who did get caught. And yeah. they're all white ladies. Um, that's the important part. And, uh, this is, so I have a Lisa Alexander. Now, okay, now I have to kind of remember, is Lisa Alexander the Karen? Now, Karen is a middle-aged white women like Karen's are very big although I think they're on the down I think people are starting to get annoyed of even yeah. of the term Karen is uncool now because it's been going on for some time uh yeah. so okay this Lisa Alexander statement I believe Lisa Alexander is the white lady who yelled at a uh a person of color I believe he's Hispanic, and we've been here with this, you know, the whole Latino is Hispanic. We don't know uh, the right thing to say. We've, uh, we mix it up a lot on here. Is Latino and Hispanic are the same? Maybe. Anyway, well, whatever. Uh, this person was out, they're a person of color out front of their house. And they were chalking Black Lives Matter on the front of their steps. And I don't know if you've seen, this is a very popular thing to do uh, on steps to write Black Lives Matter. And some people then also list like Black Lives, people who have been uh, brutalized by police. And um, so this is this person who's doing this out front of their house. And this Karen came up to him and was like, what are you doing? Are you graffitiing on here? And he was like, he was like, this is like my house. I live here. No, you don't. She was like, you don't live here. I know you don't live here. I live in this neighborhood. And I've never seen you. 
And he was like, well, I'm whatever, like, fine. I, I live here and um, I'm painting this on our, um, it was also chalk by, again, <laughs> what a fucking cunt. Anyway, it's fucking chalk. But, uh, and she started yelling at me. He's like, I love her. And then she's like, I'm calling the police. And he recorded the whole thing. She's fucking terrifying. Anyway, here, then she's canceled, okay? So yeah. now she takes to Twitter. This is her statement. Her name's Lisa Alexander. And she, here we go. I want to apologize directly to Mr. Juanillo. There are not enough words to describe how truly sorry I am for being disrespectful to him last Tuesday when I made the decision to question him about what he was doing in front of his home. I should have minded my own business. Yeah, you should have. The last 48 hours has taught me that my actions were those of someone who is not aware of the damage caused by being ignorant and naive to racial inequalities. When I watch the video, I am shocked and sad that I behaved the way I did. It was disrespectful to Mr. Juan Yo, and I am deeply sorry for that. I did not realize at the time that my actions were racist and have learned a painful lesson. I am taking a hard look at the meaning behind white privilege and am committed to growing from this experience. I would love to have coffee with Mr. Juan Yo in our neighborhood so I can apologize in person and share a dialogue where I can continue to learn and grow and be a better person. That's the apology. I mean, those are some nice words, lady. But I'm, if you were really sorry, you wouldn't have done that shit. Yeah, it's like pretty good, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm actually, I do not find that to be a good statement, and I hope Lisa Alexander got fired. Uh, because if this is, this is, uh, very poor, very poor statement, very general, you know, but I think, uh, it does exemplify, first off, I, their ignorance, like, they literally are so caught up in the moment of Black Lives Matter and obviously pissed off about it to the point where they're, completely unaware that they're yelling at their neighbors for fucking chalking on the sidewalk. Black lives matter. Like you're, you're a cunt. Okay. And like, I mean, how ignorant do you have to be like to not realize your cunt behavior, you know? Right. Like seriously, you should have minded your own business next time. Mind your own fucking business. How about that? How about you mind your own fucking business? Um, so that's their apology. Uh, the other apology, uh, this is a good one, uh, that this is from the woman. So have you watched the television show, The Good Place? Do you know this TV show? I watched the first season. Um, I watched it too. I did not, uh, think it, it was, it's like kind of funny, but it's also, <laughs> what's that? Same. Yeah, it's like kind of funny, but it's still like TV. It still has like exactly. this like it's like very television show. I don't know yep. how much more to explain that. This is why I like the young ones because the young ones is like not TV. Like it's a critique of television, if anything, and yeah. like uh, and there's just a, the way that a sitcom works where I can't even fucking stand to watch it. Like I really can't. Um, I and there's, I mean, maybe 
uh, people talk about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as being like the absurd uh, sitcom of today. Uh, but I can't even watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because I think it's also still very formulated, like in characters and the way that works, even though um, I should probably give it a shot. But anyway, so The Good Place is like definitely this. It is, it's like Friends 2.0, uh, this yeah. show. And, uh, but I would say, uh, it gives me a chuckle. There are some chuckles. I've watched it. And, um, and I also, you know, appreciate some chuckles. Anyway, so it turns out the writer of this show is an absolute fucking racist. Big surprise if you've watched the show, because it, it just hits all the, uh, politically correct you know heartstrings because there's a black character who's one of the main characters there's an uh filipino character and uh you know so how could how could it be written by a problematic fucking white lady well guess what it is so recently somebody who worked for her like brought a, a friend a colleague of hers and i don't have the actual tweet, and I, but apparently it was a colleague of hers retweeted her a tweet that she tweeted from like uh, four years ago or something, and it was about how Asian people are stupid or something. Oh my! Yeah, I don't, I don't have a screenshot of the actual tweet, tweet, but yeah, it was basically calling um, Asian people stupid. And what I thought was really funny about this was because. I could not understand on The Good Place, the television show, why the Filipino character was so dumb. Like, this character was, like, like dumb to a point where it just didn't make sense. And now that I saw this tweet that she tweeted, I was like, oh, my God, it's because she thinks Asian people are fucking Holy stupid. Shit. Yeah. It finally made sense to me. I was like, this is why this character was so stupid. It was because you're racist fucking white cunt who thinks it's funny to make fun of Asian people for being dumb. Which literally is like the opposite, I guess, stereotype of Asian people being actually really intelligent right. or something. Yeah. Anyway. That the other part of this. So, um, anyway, here is her apology. She's apologized. Um, but here's the thing though, I have to pee really bad. So I have to actually pause. So I, right. I'm going to go pee. You're peeing now? Yeah, don't. Oh, uh, I'm recording though. Okay. Don't record my pee. All right, so you're done peeing. I'm done peeing. Let's talk about this apology. Okay, so... Uh, I also don't really know this woman's name, but, uh, her... Instagram or Twitter is uh, Megan Amran. So I guess that's her name. All right, so here we go. I would like to address some tweets from over the past decade that have been circulating recently. I fear this will not convey everything I want it to, but I am speaking from the heart and trying to best communicate my sincere regret. I am deeply embarrassed and more apologetic than you can ever know. My instinct is to share the varying degrees of explanation for every tweet that has offended, but I know full well there are no excuses. I will be sorry for as long as I live that I have hurt even one person, and I am very much and I very much understand 
why my words have hurt many more. Also, I specifically would like to apologize to the Asian American community who I've hurt most with my tweets. I very much understand why you were hurt. An apology seems, an apology means nothing without action and change behind it. And I assure you that the reason these tweets are from years ago is because that action and change is behind it. Okay, so they're already, okay, hold on, pause. They're already saying that this happened very long ago, so I'm not really sorry about it. Right. Right? Doesn't count anymore. Right. Anyway, onwards to the apology. She's like, I'm a better person now. Yeah. Onwards to the apology. As my platform grew, I learned the power I had to amplify voices and the responsibility that came along with it. Okay, pause again. I fucking hate this woman. Okay. Because what does it matter if you have 500 or 30,000 followers or whatever the fuck? Like, you know, I mean... I guess there's, like, how would I know because I have 500 followers, but, like... Yeah, there's a, you know, a racism algorithm, an acceptable racism algorithm mm -hmm. that goes into it, and it goes by how many followers you have, and it takes into account... This is um, good to know. Your tweets, ...and that's the percentage of racism you can have on your Twitter at any given time. Because uh, based off these metrics as well, Maureen, why do we even have a racist confession, confession and apology section of this podcast that only tens of people listen to? Why do we even do this? We don't have to. We don't you have to be said, held responsible because we're not popular. Well, that's very true. It's just, you know, us doing personal responsibility, which I understand is alien to a lot of people. Obviously to this Megan person. Mm. Uh, all right, let's go on here. But can I just point out the what? fact that you did just say racist confections? And I that's thought, a topic no, I'm I, a little bit interested in. I didn't say that. You sure did. No, I said... Confessions. I don't even know what confections means. Oh, like it's like candy and shit. Yeah, I didn't say that. Mm. You misheard like baked me. Baked goods. That's the way. I you, no, I. You misheard mm. me. Mm. Let's Racist move on. Confection. I heard you. Uh, my platform and jobs are meaningful tools to foster diverse writers, combat workplace discrimination, educate myself, donate, and to consciously and vocally support BIPOC. LGBTQ, and I have money, people, and more. Every day I go into my jobs. Oh, you have jobs. You have more than one job. Good for you. My life and my friendships. Oh, you have more than one friendship. Good for you. Trying to promote those ideals. I have been doing this work on myself and for others for years and can only promise that I will continue to do so both publicly and privately. This is not lip service. It is something very important to the core of what I am trying to do with my life. The bottom line is I tweeted some careless, hurtful things. I wish I could take them back, not to get out of trouble, but because it is weighing heavily on my heart. No, it's not. You fucking can't. You just said that, like, you're better now than you were. Whatever. But I can't. Instead. So instead, I have spent the last decade attempting to unlearn the complicit racism I participate in, participate in as a white person and becoming the vocally supportive ally I think I am now. I have been silent on this in the hopes that my current actions would speak louder than my past words. And that was my mistake. But I would like to make it very clear now how deeply sorry I am. I am not posting the tweets here since I do not want to hurt people again with those words, but I want to be very clear, I am sorry. I mean it. 
and I will prove that every day I for the rest it. of my life. Okay, that's the end of the, the apology. So, um, basically, I don't believe this kind. I mean, I guess I would have to know more about her life and what actually, if anything, about her has changed. Because, like she said, an apology is nothing without, like, actual change behind it. So What I do think is interesting, though, is that the dynamic here is somebody who maybe 10 years ago wasn't famous or yeah. well-known, and now they are. And so they were very... They were tweeting to the wind thinking it didn't fucking matter. And now that they're famous, it's like now there's a lot more weight to it. Um, also, the fact that they got called out is probably because they're famous. Whereas they obviously have this baggage that they're saying in this apology that they don't think these tweets would have meant shit or have been mentioned if they weren't famous. Uh. Um, onwards to an apology stemmed from this apology, which is the person who retweeted her problematic tweets from 10 years ago happens to be a friend of hers. Oh. Um, so, and I don't even have their name here. Obviously, I don't, I don't know this, I don't know anyone's names. I don't fucking care, but here we go. Uh, I'm just, well, I care enough to be like strapped into this drama so here's the person who retweeted her tweets from 10 years ago, who is a friend and colleague of hers. Uh, this person tweeted, it is now me who is being canceled. So the person who tweeted her is now being canceled uh, because, I don't know, uh, the people were accusing this person of being a career opportunist um, yeah. for, for doing this. Anyway. So it is now me who is being canceled. 100% I have done racist, sexist tweets, and I am sorry. Oh, my God. The person who canceled her has racist and sexist tweets as well that they were being called out on. Okay, so that's what's going on. I'm not going to be silent when someone who makes a huge impact on comedy is racist. My shit sucks for sure, and it's idiotic, but it didn't make what Megan did suck any less. And we are we supposed to just let this shit happen? Call me out when I fuck up publicly or otherwise. But I think I have a few followers and I don't think it's right to not say something even if it means my shit gets called out too. Oh my God, again with these fucking people. This person being like, I have a lot of followers, which is why I did it. Oh my God, the fucking Twitter egos is like intense. It's... It's pretty crazy. Um, anyway, so that was the apology stemming from this other white lady apology. And the person who called out Megan's tweets, by the way, who is now apologizing for saying problematic shit, is an Asian American. So I'm, I'm guessing they were pissed off about whatever and called out the tweets. And then it started this whole shit show of, like, who has followers and who needs to apologize and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't really see how this is helping anyone. <laughs> Ooh, man, I'm so exhausted from all these apologies. I would like to move on to the racist confession section of the podcast. So we can have something to apologize for. We want to apologize. Like, you know what? You're right, though, Beth. Like, what? you were right about the apology section all along. You were right because, look, we were ahead of the curve. 
now all these popular white ladies are apologizing. It's that I'm always, I'm, that's why, you know, I'm a genius. What can I say? And I am always ahead of the curve. And that's why as white ladies, we apologize on this show. And we, and we did it first. Uh, you heard it here first. We've been working on we ourselves. Need to get yeah, we need to be canceled. <laughs> we won't get canceled until we're successful. That's the means test to being canceled is we have to be successful first. So um, True. we're not going to get canceled yet, but we're definitely ready to be popular and famous. So hopeful to be canceled. Cancel us. Um, we've got Validate tons. Us. We have tons of material here for people to cancel us. So um, we're ready to be popular. What can I yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of older stuff too, even from the '90s, like oof, really bad shit. Um, don't tell them about that. Just kidding. If you want to check out our book, it's at Temple Library, by the way, called the Three O'clock Book. And uh, you can find a lot of problematic shit there. Um, yeah. So what I could say here, okay, uh, racist confessions. Uh, Maureen, I'll let you go first. Um, and, yeah, let's, uh, let's hear it. There's, I'm sure there's a lot you have to confess because we're in the midst of Black Lives Matter. I'm sure a lot has happened. Um. Again, I don't really get out much, but I do have to say that there, and this is like an old thing that I have to bring up. Um, when a black man tells you you're beautiful, it's like way different than when a white man, like that you don't know. Like if he's just walking down the street, there's a guy who I guess like lives in my complex who twice now, and he's a black guy, younger. Oh, finally. Like, Wait, hold up. Like, Before I let you keep going, I just want to like congratulate you for acknowledging black people live in your building because you're always like, I never see any black people. And I'm like, you know why? that's not true. I haven't lived here in the, in the summer until now recently. So actually I have noticed, I would say that's probably more like half and half. That's awesome. Okay. Because, yeah, when I took the train to your house, there was nothing but black people getting off the train. So I was like, black people fucking live here, Maureen. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the only ones that I knew were white because they were through Carl and he's white. And it's, you know, it's uh, like that. Well, now that you know you have black neighbors, you need to become friends with them. Well, I'm not becoming friends with anyone. Okay, fine. All right. So... Tell me. But so. I do have this nice young man who makes it a point when he sees me getting in the car in the morning uh -huh. two times to tell me that I'm beautiful. Ooh. And like when he, yeah. So when he, and I've gone through this like my whole life. It's like, seriously, for some reason, black men can totally like just on the street, like be like, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And like, I'll be like, thank you. Yeah. White men, I, I'll be like, get the fuck away from me. Like you're a creeper. Like that's just how it is. Wow. That's racist. I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of things to dig into with that one. Why? But it's not the first time that I've said it, and I actually haven't thought about it in a long time, mm -hmm. I guess, because I don't get called beautiful as much as I used to. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I don't know. What is like, it? Why are you okay with black men calling you beautiful but not white when, white men? It's just, it's how it comes off. I don't know like the poindexter white guy thing i think like it's just harder for them to like say something in a way that's i don't know like when what so the situation i guess i'm like talking about with black guys like this specific thing where like it'll just be I'll, it'll happen and i'll be like 
if a white guy did that, like, it would not be acceptable to me. There's just, like, something less, I don't know, like, if they just come off as being, like, actually, like, appreciating your aesthetic beauty rather than feeling like if they say you're beautiful, then you're going to let them in your pants. So you're uh, less true, threatened. But that's the way it comes off to me. So I am more like, oh, thanks, rather than like, ew, get away from me, you pervert. You're less threatened by black men getting into your pants than you are white men. Well, no, they. I feel like they're not so much trying to get into my pants. Like, there's a confidence there. Yeah, why do you feel like they're not trying to get into your pants as much as a white man is trying to get into your pants if he says you're sexy or you're beautiful? Because there's, like, more of a confidence there in in demeanor to me, at the, the way at least it comes off to me as a white lady who grew up with, like, mostly white people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's more of a confidence in a black man complimenting you than a white man. This is my experience. Okay, uh, yeah, that's really racist. So I mean, I'm glad that we're able to, like, talk about this so you can get over it. Because I honestly think, uh, you know, it's equally sexist for a black man or a white man to uh, a, a comment on your aesthetic beauty either way. Either way, it's catcalling as far as I'm concerned. Which is why I have to confess it in racist confession. No, exactly, that's what we're doing. And I'm calling you racist. Because I'm realizing that I feel different about this interaction because of the person's race. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that you feel like because of the person's race. If you, yeah, well, if you say that, first off, I'm wondering, are you uncomfortable when when they're talking, when they say that you're beautiful? Be honest. Are you uncomfortable? Does it make you uncomfortable? Men in general. Men in general. Um. It's both. Like, there is, like, such a, actually, at this point in my life, such a large mixture of feelings when stuff like that happens. Mm -hmm. Like, that it's definitely, like, gone through, like, different feelings during my lifetime, and now they all just, like, kind of build up into, like, one thing. Like, there's, like, definitely, like, there's, like, aversion and, like, disgust and fear and excitement and, like, validation and, and, like, feeling like like I'm validated as a woman like all this whole spectrum of like from everything from disgust to like yeah like all happens when that kind of shit happens well I mean of course there's yeah because you first off you feel validated when someone compliments your beauty because we live in a culture of narcissism and, right, but it's fucking empty and yeah, gross. Yeah, and so you feel validated for your beauty, but at the same time, you feel uh, there's a power struggle there. Like when yeah. somebody's commenting it's on... A predator. Yeah, they're a predator. So there's the power struggle, which is like definitely a part of the reason why men compliment you on the street like that, because it's them letting you know that they're more powerful than you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, there's a weird dynamic there. So you feel a whole spectrum of things. Um, okay. So that's, that's under, that's, you know, we, we understand the psychology of what's going on in your brain and, you know, or how you're feeling generally if a man is commenting on you and it's a whole spectrum of feelings. Now let's dissect it further. So why is it different for a black man? 
than it is a white man. So let's talk about that. So well, I'm, I'm quiet because I'm like thinking right now because okay. I always thought because I always thought that it was that it had to do with the fact that I perceived black men to be generally sexually more confident and um, have more like available to them. Really, it's the black pimp image probably in my mind that's like actually you know affecting my thoughts about that who knows the black what the black pimp the black pimp okay so when like how that image had been put out there you know in in the media like whatever earlier kind of on you know kind of like in the time like just before I was born Mm -hmm. so to me that was like you know, when you're born, it's like the images that you see, you, so when you were, you won't get anything really challenging them. Like it just it gets in there. Yeah. So like when you were born, you saw a black pen. <laughs> saw a black pen. No, I'm saying like in my childhood images that I was brought up with probably suggested to me that like black men were like sexually, like sort of in control, but I don't know. So when this guy... I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, it's kind of, like, attracted to them. I don't know. You, uh, I'm, like, so In a different confused. way than white men, I can say. <laughs> I am so confused right now. So it's you're confusing. okay with it if a black man compliments you because you think, you know, maybe he's trying to give you a job. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. That it's all about the Benjamins. Um, yeah, so... But when a white man comments he's trying to fuck you and that no no, what i'm saying is that i feel like there was messages that i probably received early on that told me that white men were like were like desperate poindexters when it came to sex with small dicks and like black men were like big dick prowess like like they get it they're not desperate like if you're like no like they're gonna be like that's cool like i'm gonna go to this other beautiful woman now where like for me it's like there's like this image of like i don't know animal house these, like, fucking, like, desperate, drunken, frat boy white men who, like, are desperate for any pussy they can get their fucking hands on. That's what I'm, I think that's, like, more That's your stereotypes. Okay. So you're racist towards white men as well in this dynamic. Really? No, certainly. Yeah. Um, let's not forget that, you know, the white race is a made-up construct as well as, you know, the black race, you know, being... That, um, you know, uh, you could be racist towards white people. Sure. Um, wow. We're gonna have to apologize for that one in the next episode. Let's not forget that anyway. Um, okay. So you, uh, yeah, you have a problem there because I think if a black man is, is saying that I do think that that's as much of a power struggle that's going on that if a white man is catcalling you. Um, yeah, I do. I do. I think it's like inappropriate to like tell someone um, that they're outward about their outward appearance that you find them attractive without knowing them or being friends with them is fucking weird. And I don't think it's appropriate. I don't think people should do that. I really don't. Uh, and I do think. My impetus is that anytime a man needs to comment on a woman walking by and telling her that she's beautiful, it's a power trip for them. 
Yeah, because it forces them to let, like, it forces the woman to let him in, in a way. Well, and it's just to be like, you're an object. Yeah, you're, it objectifies, yeah. Yeah, it it immediately objectifies you. And I don't care if it's a black man or a white man, it's not okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's not okay. Uh, I don't, yeah, no, I, yes. I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that's more okay for black men. I think my, the personal feeling that I get is like, I'm like just less like threatened or something when it's a black man. Whereas with a white man, I feel like there's this desperation, which like isn't even necessarily supported by anything that's really happened in reality, like in my life. It's just that I think that these were just had to do with some of like the messages that I got in my life. And that's, it's the, that's how racism works, right? It's like, you see a difference and you don't fucking make assumptions about it. And then you never question it and becomes part of your belief system and like your whole structure of reality. And it's not true. Yeah. Uh, for me, I actually feel more threatened if a black man um, comments on my my uh, outward appearance because I'm like, oh, if I say something like I'm pissed off, I'm gonna have an angry black man on my hands. Or if I say something that I'm that I'm pissed off that they said that, then I'm a Karen. I'm the next Karen on Twitter for being pissed off if I'm being catcalled. Um, you know, I feel more threatened where if it's a white dude, I could be like, you know, suck my dick, you pussy, small dick, motherfucker. You know, I feel less threatened by a white man because I can assert whatever. I still have, I still have to deal with the consequences of physical violence in both instances. Uh, you know, but I feel more of a handle on the situation, more of a right to lash out towards a white man and I feel less of a right to lash out to a black man if he's kind of calling me. Um, well, yeah. you also have been attacked. Yes, I, I have been attacked um, by black men, but I've been attacked by white men too. It just so happens yeah. the white men I've been attacked uh, are men that I know. Yeah. Um, that's the difference. Uh, yeah. So, in any case... Uh, very good racist confession, Marine. Very good. I thought good. it was a good one because it was something that happened that really brought up a lot of memories from different times in my life and different situations. And it got me thinking about, yeah, like that, but like also just catcalling in general or like someone, yeah, just the fact that there's a difference in my reaction based on the color of somebody's fucking skin is racist. Mm. Yeah. And like, Yeah. And it's also, uh, Bert, I just want to, you're, I don't think you're a bad person, Marine. And oh, I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, I think you're sharing a bad person. That. Yes, I am. Definitely. You are. Most uh, certainly. So wait to hear my I'm race. a good person. Yes, you are. A good person. A good person. Um, really good person. I would be really shocked if you'd have to do sometime in the future when we're famous and you're getting canceled <laughs> and you have to do an apology on Twitter. I'd be like, fucking like are we in bizarro world marine <laughs> Dude, has to do what? an apology tweet what actually the whole time you were reading those i was like oh my god if i ever like had to do anything like this like i there is literally no way to make it sound sincere or but like everyone's gonna be like this is fucking bullshit yeah. like <laughs> i just i also i love the irony of the situation that the person who canceled her was then later getting canceled in that <laughs> week um, I thought that was really funny. This is like, I was like, this is like a, this is the kind of sitcoms we need. 
Like, this is like a sitcom that makes sense to me. Um, so, okay, my uh, racist confession is I was, this is uh, really embarrassing. I was driving, you know, I'm in the car with my mom, we're going down the shore, and I see this billboard, and there's this like dramatic black and white picture of it's a black man or black person. Um, and I, and then there's just a name on the billboard and this is dra dramatic black and white picture and just a name. And I saw it from, from far away. And I said to my mom, I was like, Oh God, oh, there's a billboard for Trayvon Martin up here, a memorial for, for Trayvon Martin. And Trayvon Martin is the young black teenager who was shot and killed by George Zimmerman in Florida for like being suspected of uh just being no reason george zimmerman shot him and killed him um and he was like just a young kid who went out to the convenience store to get a candy bar in the middle of well it was in the city, right in the city that's people point that out a lot what's that people point out his hoodie a lot yeah, he had a, well, yeah, he had a hoodie, he was wearing a hoodie, and it, like, this guy, uh, was doing neighborhood watch, patrolling, whatever the fuck, and shot and killed him. So, I thought this was a billboard, uh, that was a memorial for him, and I wonder, when is the anniversary of Trayvon? I thought it was, like, an anniversary, and also, like, because of all the Black Lives Matter that's going on, that somebody got this billboard for him, um, um, let me see here. Trayvon Martin. Oh, it was February 26th. So we're not even, that's when he was killed. Not even anywhere near it. And, um, okay. So I thought it was that. And we're, and I went and I took a picture of my phone with my phone. Um, and didn't even look at the picture or at the billboard from there. I just took this picture, and I was going to... I just spit all over my computer, but it's okay. I, I am, like, in such suspense. What happened? I okay. can't wait to get this story. So, later that <laughs> night... Later that night, I went to go... I was on my phone, and I went to go look at the picture, and I was going to, like... I don't know... I don't know if I was going to post it, but I just thought it was interesting that there was this billboard for Trayvon Martin on the fucking highway on the way to the shore. I go to look at the picture... And it's not Trayvon Martin, it's Trevor Noah, it's Trevor Noah, and he's, he's going to be performing at the Borgata on August 14th. <laughs> they all look the same to you, Beth. Right? How fucked up is <laughs> oh that? fucking Jesus Christ. I was Trevor Noah, I wasn't Trayvon Martin. You know what, I think that's actually just a great illustration of just how shitty, like, the human brain really is, because if yeah. we just take, like, pieces of information, we're like, that's fine, it's good enough. Yeah, we're, I'm just, like, inundated. Like, that's how up your reality is. Yeah, and, and also the fact that it's a comedian, which, so it's, like, kind of funny, like, dark yeah. humor joke, but, it is. Really um, funny, to my credit, obviously, I really need to self-apologize, as we, we've read in all the other... Is as, that when no one forces you? For myself. I need to apologize for myself, as we've learned in the white lady treat, uh, Twitter apologies I read. But it was a very dramatic picture of, of uh, Trevor Noah. Like, it wasn't like, it was like a black and white memorial looking picture for this show. Because like, he's a comedian. 
What's that? Or it was his headshot because he's a comedian. Yeah, it's a headshot because he's a comedian, obviously. But it like to make it a billboard for like. Also, why is he performing at the Borgata? Aren't we in the you're midst blaming, of? You're blaming Trevor Noah for your racism. I guess. Uh, I guess I am, Marine. I guess is I am. Which apology? is which is another problematic thing. <laughs> no, and well, the other <laughs> thing too about venue is like why you were racist. <laughs> Stop. Why? But the other thing I just want to say, the calling out my own racism is like, in reality, Trevor, uh, not Trevor, no, Trayvon Martin was <laughs> shot and killed because from far away, he seemed like somebody was breaking into a house. And from far away, I mistaked Trevor Noah as Trayvon Martin. So I am just as racist as fucking George Zimmerman in this situation, even though I'm obviously I'm not reacting violently or going to shoot and kill anyone. But like George Zimmerman and I are guilty of the same thing, which is being fucking racist by making an assumption of a black male from far away of their identity. Yeah, your, black, your assumption wasn't that like he was robbing a house. That's yeah, the, that's, that's true. That's true. Stuff. Thank you, Maureen. Thank like, your you. brain p putting lazily stuff together. Yeah. Like, your brain was like, oh, like, it's Black Lives Matter time. Like, yeah. there's probably not, like, a lot of comedy shows going on at the Borgata. So, like, obviously, there's Trayvon Martin on the billboard. He's yeah. black. But, like, yeah. this guy was like, um, there's a black guy near a house. I better shoot him because he's obviously breaking in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, not the same. Not the same. <laughs> but I, uh... But still racist, anyway. So that's my that's my racist confession. Um, I think it is a really good one, and uh, I'm ashamed. I did draw a comic of it, but I only shared it with my Patreoners. I was like, if I were to draw this comic, and I drew the comic, and I think it's funny, and um, uh, and I think in a self deprecating way, obviously. And uh, I, well, you are a white woman. So. Yeah, I am a white woman. So, but I told my Patreoners, I was like, this is a kind of comic that I could never just post on my Instagram right now and share with people with any, there would be no understanding, no nuance. It would just be no. insulting. And, uh, no, I never know even what, like, it would be an offensive joke right now, just because, like, everything is happening so fast. Yeah. And, like, people are really, like, everything is on the surface right now, and... I don't, I don't know. I just feel like we have to, like, get through this time and not all kill each other. So... Aries... I mean, fucking Mars is an Aries, like, until, like, the end oh, of the Oh, yeah. Year. Why don't you talk about that? You sent me this, this like, thing about I shouldn't be protesting by the end of the summer or what's going on. No, I'm concerned that, um, the protests and shit, like, I, I think that... And this, if you... Mars is an Aries. If you're sort of following astrology at all, this is, I'm like... Not. It's not the best aspects that are happening. It's not that they're bad aspects, but, like, there's, like, the the Pluto-Jupiter conjunction, I believe, like, in Capricorn, or, like, Saturn's moving back into Capricorn. Like, all of these things are happening astrologically, and, mm -hmm. like, um, the meaning of them is, like, there's a lot happening with Pluto. There's a lot happening with Capricorn. Um like, and Saturn and Jupiter are, like, interacting with Pluto. So 
it's like a lot of these like the meaning of that is that like there's like a lot of upheaval of like power structures mm-hmm. and um but additionally for the next I believe six months or something like that and I'm not an astrologer but we have Mars in Aries and if like you have a basic knowledge of like the signs and mm-hmm. the planets you probably know what that means yeah Mars is like, the anger planet and Aries is the fi- fire sign so that's not good yeah, so we have a lot of like upheaval of these hierarchical structures we have like overturning of power and we have um an aspect that makes it so that the way that this one article described it was like basically any conflict you start during this time like will backfire so like getting into conflicts at all right now is probably like the best to be avoided. But mm-hmm. like, I, I fear that because of the timing of all of this and there's, I, I don't remember. I think that there's like a, also an eclipse like series that's happening later in the year. Like there's like one in August, one in September and then one in November, like on November 12th or something like right fucking before the election. That's like stirring things up like around those times. And mm-hmm. I really am, in fear that like there's going to be um a violent put down of this movement Mm. at some point later in the year at least in one place black lives matter you think yes i do i really i think that something is going to happen and i think that like um I'm just concerned i'm really concerned i've been very concerned and i feel like it's important to show up to these things but at the same time um i just i think that there is going to be violence that probably goes both ways i think shit's going to get out of hand later in the year and i don't think it's going to be good yeah i mean i wonder like how much change protesting can really do like because it's gotten to a point where, you know, this is another thing that um, Christopher Lash talks about in the culture of narcissism is that is performative radicalism, which has been something that the left has been doing since the civil rights movement to a point where it's just this like normalized ebb and flow of conflict. Yes, it's meaningless and it doesn't really create any um, real change, but it just, Uh it just helps to make individuals feel better about themselves and like, and then, you know, and then basically people just get tired and tuckered out and then it just, that's it. That's the end of it. Yeah. And there's really, and it's not to be insulting to anyone who's out there protesting. There's just literally only so much you can do being angry and shouting and doing these performances. And it does basically, um, you know, uh, make everyone really tired, but it doesn't really create any real change. Right. Like we're we're just all playing parts to like, um, we. I mean, we need to be out front. I would be like, we need to be now out in the streets, but really fucking with the rich people. We need to be right. out front of their fucking houses. We need to yeah. understand the power structure and these people that are in charge yeah. and right. fucking scare them. Not, yeah. not like being out front of city hall or being out front of the art museum. Like that stuff is like, it, I, and I participate and I think it's great. And I think it is good to do this kind of stuff, but we need to like really, but nothing ever beyond that really happens. Right. We need more. 
Yeah, so I don't Obviously know. Obviously, being that, like, I mean, there's all these baby boomer jokes, but, like, weren't they the fucking hippies in the 60s? You know what I mean? And, like, what has changed? Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. Nothing has changed. What happened is they got good jobs and then, you know, they were fine with their lives the the way that it existed. And the thing is that the system itself is the fucking problem. And it's not, we're not going to be able to reform it. We can't, there's nothing we can do. It's, capitalism is functioning functioning just as it should. Just that, I mean, it can't function without oppressing a population of people like that's that's surplus labor like exists like by um you know uh taking advantage of your workforce and that's how surplus labor like fucking works and that's how you accumulate wealth so like it's functioning just as it should like um we're just we've just been throwing black people under the bus to make white working class people feel like they have some control in their lives and you're right i don't know yeah it's fucked it's fucked anyway um let's get on to our topic uh, yeah, sure. w- uh really briefly recap uh we talked about meditation in the last episode uh i thought i did listen to it i think it's a really great um a peaceful sort of interlude for you in your day if you're interested that you should go listen to it and we talk about how meditation works and different meditations you can do um and uh i i thought it was an i thought it was actually one of our few educational podcasts that's good to hear did you try any of the meditations yet no um yeah. i <laughs> no it's you know what to get started I really should, but I do have to say I was down the shore last week and I was very meditative while down the shore. Like, um, it's very easy because you have, first off, you have like the horizon in front of you that there's just nothing else to look at and it makes it very easy to kind of drift off into your thoughts. And I did like walks on the beach by myself at sunset which was like really nice. And I would like make assemblage sort of art objects. That was one thing that I was doing. Um, Assemblage is just working from found materials that are around you and just building a sculptural object, which was like, I guess you could compare it to doing like a rock garden or something like that, Um, Uh which is, I think a very good meditative practice. Um, But yeah, I haven't carried that into my, you know, day to day. Um, but I want to, and I think that's the first part is wanting to, um, it, is. it really is. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to recap about that episode, uh, beyond that, what we just talked about. Um, and I think that as far as what else things happening in Delaware County, um, I have heard that Upper Darby's, like, one of the peak areas in Delaware County for COVID. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah. Um, and just across the state of Pennsylvania now, it's like, we are actually seeing an uptick uh, in positive cases, but it seems like we're begrudgingly just moving forward. That's what Pennsylvania... That's what's happening. Yeah, it's not... Um, no one's, like, coming to protect us anymore. It's bullshit. Yeah, it really is scary, um, actually. Things are just going to fucking play out now. 
Yeah, now it's like, it, this is what's happening. It seems that what's going on, we're reopening the economy because people need to be waited on at all costs. And uh, with total disregard for people's health. And, uh, you know, it, now, like, what they want is happening, which is what, what they wanted, the government wanted to, in the, to begin with, is just to let people get infected and it'll be like the herd mentality. Um, the herd immunity, herd immunity. Uh, is what is we're going to be doing in the U.S. So it's like us and like Brazil are like the two dumbass countries. Awesome. That, yeah. countries. And surprisingly, we're both... Sorry, two, Brazil, I don't mean that about you. We're both like two countries that are just completely inundated with um, reactionary uh, politics and uh, capitalism rules, wealthy elite class rules. So uh, so it's going to be super fun. So in Delaware County is totally a mix of that. Uh, I also, Delaware County people are saying the other problem there is there's a lot of nursing homes um, and there's... Uh, an, right. and, and the majority of the Delaware County uh, population is older. So that's going to be an issue. I think uh, we're going to be seeing it getting a lot worse there uh, before it gets any better. So that's what I have for Delaware County. It really sucks. And, um, yeah, it's probably just going to get a lot worse everywhere. And really, ultimately, it's just everybody's just got to try to take care of themselves and other people and yeah. not be a fucking dick. Yeah. And just put on your goddamn mask when you go to the store or anytime you're interacting with someone who's there because it's their job. Because I guarantee you, they're fucking scared. Mm -hmm. They're not making enough money. They might not have fucking health insurance, and they probably don't want to fucking be there. So no. don't be talking in their face without a goddamn mask. Don't keep it in your I was, pocket. Uh, don't let it go under your nose. Just don't be a fucking asshole. There was a people at Whole Foods, this dude and this couple, uh, this dude and his girlfriend, and he had his mask you know, around his chin, just fucking walking around the store. Yeah, all the time. It happens it's all the time. And I wanted to fucking yell at him, but I honestly was like, I'm just going to be a fucking Karen. Yep. You know, so I better just, like, fucking Karen it out and just, like, not say anything, whatever. I don't feel like getting in a fucking fight at the grocery store, but I really wanted to fucking yell at him. This is fucked up. Fortunately, I don't have to, I, I have to say this, like, my boss at work like who manages the physical location where I work <clears throat> has been incredibly supportive as far as like us being able to say you know you have to put your mask on or you can't do business with us yeah like as long as we're respectful to them and like we ask them and we explain why and like if they like are being aggressive toward us like we're allowed to be like okay like your appointment's canceled and here's your records you need yeah. to go somewhere else I have a question like for I have Bub has to get his rabies shot uh, and some yeah. other yearly vaccine shot i forget what it is um so i can't miss this appointment um i haven't been doing the wellness appointments with them because the wellness appointments are like fucking stupid anyway no offense but it's like you go in you weigh them they're like that's it that i mean yeah it's just uh, like whatever um but they do need to go in and get their shots and then i was talking to my vet i was like yeah i really don't want to just drop off my cat like because i understand i can't go in with him but I want to, like, drop him off. I'll wait outside. You give him the shot and give him to me. I don't want him to be in a cage, yeah. like, waiting for his appointment. And they haven't written or talked to me about this back. They haven't 
talk to me about it. And I'm like, is that weird that I just want to be there? And it depends what their process is, honestly. Like, yeah. Is it just a cat bet? It's just a cat bet, yeah. I mean, it like really sucks, but I just know logistically it's like extremely difficult to be getting these animals in and out with probably, I mean, we have an extremely reduced staff, um, even though we got a couple people back, mm-hmm. but like it is, it's really a lot to like not, it, the owners actually really help out a lot when like they're bringing their pets in and out and like obviously our industry never really have to do this, but like, so there's anyway a lot to figure out logistically. Number one. I would first of all assume that like maybe no one has had time to answer your thing. Okay. Um, that would be like my first assumption. I I wrote um, them like three days ago. I'm at, yeah, like three I, or four days I, ago. I, I, like like it's really busy and things are opening up again, so people are like fucking slamming us to like get sh- their shots and everything because we weren't allowed to do them for like three months. Oh, okay. So, so um, people weren't allowed to get like nail trims. Like people still can't get like their dogs groomed and like it's becoming a pro- like a physical problem on the dogs like they're getting matted and shit like that um i mean people could certainly buy clippers and cut their dogs mats off but we're not even gonna fucking go there yeah anyway right. totally. i think number one thing is probably they didn't get your time to answer your email yet um i think that like it probably will depend on what their process is at our place you have the option actually like you can drop off in the the beginning of the day drop them off and like we'll keep them for the day and like yeah like they'll stay in a cage or whatever um but most of our appointments are people like dropping off waiting in the parking lot and like the doctor sees them calls their cell phone tells them and then we bring the pet back out that's totally Um, what i want to do that's what yeah, I want to do. I mean, and yeah. honestly, like, it's like we're at the point where, like, if your vet doesn't do that and you're not comfortable with it, you're probably, like, better off just going somewhere else for right now. Yeah. Um, that will do it the way that you want to do it rather than – because, like, I just feel like from my own personal experience, I feel like it has to do with, like, staff capacity mm-hmm. and being able to manage all of this. Yeah, I mean, Bob's, like, one thing, definitely with Pecker because he was practically lived in a shelter for the first year of his life. I don't want him to ever be in a cage again. Like if that's he, understandable. You know, like and it's traumatizing like, for him. Yeah. No, I think I, I think we're at the point where, like, yeah, like if you can explain to them if they're like, no, we can't do it that way, then you can be like, then I'm going to take him like nicely. You know, there's yeah. an, I I don't think that there's a problem with being like, all right, I'm going to take it to another place that just does it the way that I want it. You know, yeah. I don't think that's wrong to do at all. I, I was just wondering if you like guys nicer thing to do. Am I being like your? Uh, um, unreasonable or something, but it seems like no, I'm not. Like if you guys are doing I don't feel that, like that's unreasonable. yeah, like you know. Anyway, like you're not insisting that you have to be in there. Like that would then I would be like that's unreasonable. No. You're an asshole. I was but like, like yeah, no, uh, yeah. And there's places that'll do it, like how you're talking about. We do it that way. Yeah. Um, and it's not wrong to not. You know what I mean? They're, your vet's not wrong. However, they're doing it is the right way because this is really really hard. Yeah. Um, okay, so the young ones. Yeah. Um, so I actually, so the young ones, by the way, is ha, has been, always been streams on YouTube. That There's a collection on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Um, so that's how I've been watching it. How about you? You've been watching it on YouTube? Yeah, I sent it to my mom, too. Oh, cool. Has your mom ever yeah. seen it? Well, no, I brought it up to her, and she was like, oh, the the Western? And I was like, nah, like, I know that exists, but no, this is... And she, like, didn't even know. She didn't know Jennifer Saunders was in it, but I didn't know it until you told me. Um, so, yeah, so I sent it to her. 
Yeah, I think I watched it in high school. I think that's how I started. But then, um, I don't know. And then there was like, I feel like I barely remember like the when we would have um, video. Uh, we had a uh, we had a video store that we rented videos from in Fishtown back in the day. And I feel like I was talking about the guy who worked at the video sh shop about the young ones. And I think I got the DVD. From there and I didn't watch it on YouTube I don't know I don't remember anyway um, I was just rewatching it randomly and I was just like I knew I always like liked the young ones because I thought it was very political uh, it was more like political type comedy like politics are like underlying throughout the whole show you know obviously yeah. Um, like Rick, Rick's character is the, um, people's poet. He's like an the anarchist. Poet. Yeah. He's like an anarchist, like poet, but I mean, there's so much vanity attached to his politics. That's kind of mm -hmm. ridiculous, which I think on the base. He's like to, vapid. Yeah. To, exactly. And I think on the base of politics today, there's like, it is very vapid and empty, even in like black lives matter as we see like people um, like Coca-Cola being like Black Lives Matter or, you know, um, it being um, co-opted by advertising in general or corporations and programs that you're like, it's it's kind of become like a vapid sentiment in that way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they so take it. they take the power from the, they take the power from the people that are putting this message out there and they make it their own thing and yeah. they take the power away from it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like for instance, I was like watching the one episode where they struck oil in the basement yep. and, uh, and then next thing you know, uh, like well, Rick and Neil are being subjugated to drill the oil in the basement, but they don't want to drill the oil in the basement because it's a really shitty job. And yeah. then Rick's like, I know, well, do a benefit concert for the workers so that we can raise money for workers' rights or whatever. And so they have this benefit concert. Then nobody shows up to it, and Rick ends up, like, charging Neil to, like, yeah, be... the working class guy. Yeah, charges the yeah, working class guy. To be benefiting from the benefit. Right, exactly. And then they're starting it, and it's it turns out to be uh, the concert then gets co-opted by Dr. Mark Martin. Yeah. And it's like an advertisement for Doc Martin boots, which to me, what like all of this is just, I'm just, this is brilliant. This is like really um, fucking hilarious to me. And I was like, the show is so goddamn smart. But also I was thinking of how the Doc Martin store got lit on fire here in Philly during the looting. Oh, did it? I am not. Yeah. Yeah, the Doc Martin store is the one that got like totally uh, lit on fire and, and whatever. And, um, when there was a newspaper articles, um, that in the Inquirer actually that ended up being protested by the black staff because the title of the article was black lives matter do buildings question mark, which, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> this is the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah. Um, and it's actually, it was written by, uh, Edith. Uh, no, not Edith Newell. She's the, um, uh, duh. she's the, uh, art critic. Um, it was, wait, 
Oh my god, why can't I remember her name now? Ingrid, Ingrid, Ingrid Saf... Inga Saffron? Yeah, Inga Saffron, who writes about architecture in Philly, and I actually uh, was really into her. I'm actually not anymore because I was so disgusted with this article. And um, because she was, like, saying, like, oh, the damage of the looting. Like, she was just complaining about the fucking looting. And I was like, you're not you don't get the fucking point and she was just saying how people are going to suffer even more so because of this because of the you know as she's been around and saw like how dilapidated center city was before all the buildings been happening and is like really excited about the progress that was happening with um construction Me and everything Me well, yeah but the thing is like that's not the point of the looting like you you don't fucking get it like, and she mentioned the Doc Martin store being lit up and being like how ironic that was because Dr. Martin boots are boots for the working class. And I was like, you are so fucking out of touch. They're not. They're not. And even so. I can't afford a pair of Doc Martens. The, the funny thing is of that, when I was watching this Young Ones, they were making fun of Dr. Martens. This is 1982, this television show. Yeah. They were making fun of them for saying they're working class boots because that's funny. Then they were accommodated. They were like they they what they what Dr. Martins did was latch on to working class people and say these are working class boots and then made it into an advertisement, which is exactly what corporations do with Black Lives Matter now. It's just appropriated to their own, and that's what Dr. Martins did to the working class movement. They made it an advertisement. That's what, like, pride parades are basically for Kmart and Strawbridges or whatever. Well, Strawbridges, whatever. Macy's. Like, that's what, you know, they just appropriate these marginalized communities to, like, make it, you know, an advertisement for their products, which is, like, total fucking bullshit. And I just love that the young ones were making fun of this in 1982. And then Inger Saffron's, like, so fucking retarded today. Excuse me. That she, sorry for saying retarded, but it Mental needed to be that. it needed it needed to be said. Just and, kidding, I say it all the time, which I need to stop. But well, mentally challenged, whatever. Um, but like, it's just absolutely stupid that she's calling a defense of like saying that it's dumb that this building got lit on fire because they are the emblem of the working class. Like, they are not the fucking. They never were the emblem of the working class. Ever. Right. Ever. Yeah. She, just to her, because she just knows from advertising, because she's not in the working class. Oh, my God. Round of applause for that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, anyway, but it just made me be like, God, The Young Ones was such... Like, is there any fucking comedy show today that so is politically, like, on point? When you told me to, to watch it, watch it, I was like, oh, uh, like, you know, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel because, you know, it's older, right? So yeah. older comedy sometimes doesn't hit the mark. And I do, I feel like, because it was, again, even when we watched it 15 years ago, I felt like, wow, like this is the year we were born. There's like something foundational to that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all, even that time frame, the early 80s, like shit was really changing. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it still definitely hits the mark it's super i love it well it's surreal so i like anything that's like surreal like that um and 
I guess there's always been an element of that in the British comedy that I've liked previously before I knew the young ones existed. Mm-hmm. But um, it just, it tickles me, you know, personally, it tickles my personal funny bone. But, and I also like, yeah, I like the characters. They're each sort of representative of like a stereotype of a segment of society. And like, they're all like trying to live together and it's total chaos and like dilapidation and it always just like degenerates and so like totally like just being annihilated most of the time well and the other thing i i didn't realize or i mean i just forgot but then i was re-watching it but they have like carl marx's picture hung up in the kitchen interesting um the like the uh the the cliff richard references is this pop singer and he wrote a song called The Young Ones. That's like the whole reference of the show. But it has something to do with like a, a housing protest. Um, huh. And I and in the first episode um, that Rick is like, you know, writing a poetry in, tri- in tribute to Cliff Richards. And they're being kicked out of their student housing. Um, and yeah, and the landlord is just, uh, by, that's played by Alexi, what's that guy's name? I can never remember her last name, Alexi, it's Alexi. Sayer, Alexi Sayer or something? I think it is. I don't know. I shouldn't just remember Alexi. I think he's fucking adorable. I just love him too. I love all of them. Yeah, Alexi Sale. Yeah, and, and, um... You know, and he's like, you know, the bumbling landlord who's pretending to be foreign, who, but he's like, obvious, but he's not. It's just a part of him trying to have an identity for himself yeah, like, to seem more interesting. More dignified. Yeah, like, I think that is fucking hilarious because I do think that people like even today, like I was talking about how, why are South Philadelphians so obsessed with being Italian American today in like 2020? Like, is anyone even really Italian-American to this day? Like, because right. you're, what are you, like, fifth-generation immigration immigrant status? But, like, we're, in America, we're, like, attached to our identities because it's, like, all we have. It's because yeah, we're, we're a melting pot. We're totally vapid, you know, fucking stupid-ass mm. consumers. So we're attached to identity okay. because we're, like, that's what we are as consumers is our fucking identity. That's how we buy. That's how we you know, are, like, you know, who we are. Um, you know what can help you break out of those social constructs? What's Meditation. That? Me- Good. Nice call back there, Maureen. Nice uh-huh. call back there. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so in any case, like, it's tough. Like, I watched to um, the episode where they were at university. First off, the other thing, too, you can't binge watch the young ones. Like, I even tried to watch a few episodes back to back today and it was just too overwhelming. Like, oh, it worked out okay for me. Oh, there's just so much going on in every fucking episode. Like it, so that's much. True. There's like so many layers to the jokes and stuff that I don't even mm-hmm. like. I'm always like learning something new of a joke that they're telling. Like when they were starting um, the flood episode, you know how. Um, London floods and then their whole uh-huh. house is underwater, which is just yeah, so there's a shark. fucking surreal. There's but, a shark alarm. Yeah, there's a shark in the window. Um, there's a shark alarm. That's what the alarms were. Oh yeah, the shark alarm. Oh my god, I fucking love it. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> um, and there's like a lion tamer in like one of the bedrooms. Yeah, in um, the bedroom. 
Uh, the surrealist aspect of the show. The flood is like really crazy episode, but um, well, I like it too. It, honestly, it's like how my cartoons were in my mind. Like, yeah. it's like how I would imagine things happening. Like this sort of chaotic, like disconnected but connected. It's a writer's show. It's a writer's show. It's a show that, like, really does um, hold true the artistic vision of the writer first before anything else. Because, yeah, it it, it allows um, the people who are writing, which I think, which are Lisa Mayer. I think Lisa Mayer was, is the lead writer on this. Um, uh-huh. Based off, like, just looking at her resume... Like, she's obviously a television writer and goes on, and a, a lot of it is politically bent. That I really think she was, like, the uh, lead writer on this show. Gotcha. Yeah, um, but in any case, I in the beginning of The Flood, though, I wanted to say, I was like, are I think they were parodying uh, Monty Python and making fun of them in the beginning. Because they were telling, like, these, like, pratfall sort of jokes using, um, like, but using, like, uh, calling back in history, like, it, as, like, um, using, in historical political context, but they were doing pratfall type of jokes. I don't know, because you like Monty Python. I was wondering if yeah. you thought I, they yes, were doing that. I feel like there's, it's like, I don't know if it's, like, direct references to Monty Python or if that's just, like, sort of the frame of reference that the humor had at the time. You know what I mean? There's, like, a lot of... I feel like around that time there was like a lot of like looking back to like the Middle Ages and knights and all that shit. Well, like even but, like uh, the the that was first Monty Python, yeah, yeah. I think they were making fun of Monty Python and who, by the way, Monty Python kind of bad politics, dude. The yeah. well, the one be dude, careful what you say about Monty Python. I'm sorry, but he was like. The one guy was like, um, whatever, Don Cheese or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, John Cleese? Yeah, John Cleese was on, what show was he on? Like, I think it was Conan or something. And he's oh, like wow. totally anti, he's totally Mr. Capitalism and anti, oh, no. yeah, like he's like really fucking really bad politics. Like, uh, what? I deserve, I'm super funny. I deserve all the money that I have and I don't want to like pay taxes. Like, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Anyway, um, but the thing is, uh, with um, the first episode again, they were they. I feel like they were even self parodying themselves because there's a point where Rick's like, "Oh, I want to watch public access television because it's crappy and it's made by marginalized people, and that makes it good," which is like really hilarious as far as like what um, the idea of how capitalism tries to be good by um, you know, allocating state funding for like, but they're really only like um, allocating state state funding for marginalized communities, and supposedly that makes everything better and okay and good because you know these people or whatever. But really, it's like um, the thought of like the consumer, which is Rick Mayall, is like, oh, this is like boring community theater but it's good because it's you know it's by it's meant it's meant to be like for um the greater good of people and equality and blah 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 but really it's like you know stupid anyway but um the one where it's like the dancing show and then like all the kids are like yeah i can grow up 
I, I'm 16 years old. I can be killed in the war and marry a lady, but I can't drink in a pub. <laughs> yeah, it's like all kids care about is like being able to drink. Um, but and then though, uh, there's like things, crazy, wild things happen in the episode, and they're like because it's for young kids, so uh, that doesn't make sense. And there's like. Yeah. Oh, which is kind of yeah. making fun of their own show because yeah, that's true. it's the same tactic that they do. It's just they create a, a an environment of chaos because, you know, they're the young ones, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know. There's just, like, all kinds of, you know, uh, I love all the layered shit. Or when they go inside the wall and they go off and there's, like, you know, the rats are talking, like, about, you know, yeah. Heidegger or some shit. Um, it's, you know... The cutaway skits. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the rat gets killed, and then the other one's eating him. He's like, it's what he would have wanted. Yeah, that's disturbing. <laughs> um, well, because, and it's just poignant to the fact that they were, like, you know, making jokes about philosophy, you know, um, before, like, whatever, and then he ends up just eating the other rat, you know. Yeah. So our base, base human instincts are you know, um, to eat each other if need right, be. Right, which is why I'm a nihilist at heart. Um, that's sad, Maureen. I can't get away from it, Beth. So, uh, other favorite parts of The Young Ones. Who's your favorite character of The Young Ones? I, I, that's why I wrote you that text that I was like, the cast is amazing. I can't pick one, like all of them. Just that all of them, as far as like, me as a viewer and my feelings like just they all do it for me like they're all funny um they all have just like the kind of standout energy that I feel like is often like reserved for the main character like they all kind of like you said like it's so quick and there's like so much and like all of them are giving these incredible performances and the jokes are layered and like there's so much chaos and then there's so much happening like not just with like verbal humor but also like with physical humor and there's like a lot of shots where like you see all the characters running around doing different things and sort of almost telling a story of something happening like all at the same time like it's i i don't know i just i think it's a great ensemble cast i did though find myself i forgot about alexi and i do really like him yeah, Alexi's a, a really great guest character who comes on. And also, he was, like, a main collaborator with them at the comedy store doing, like, stand-up. Mm -hmm. That's how he got involved in the show. But, like, uh, yeah, Alexi's great. Um, and I mean, I, I most relate to Neil because I'm, like, a depressed, like, victim, victimized, yeah. like, hippie. I most relate to Rick because I'm a performance mm -hmm. artist who mm -hmm. um, has vapid leftist politics, but really I'm just uh, one applause. You, wear a lot, you do wear a lot of pins. Re yeah, I do wear a lot of pins. Really, I just want applause and attention, and that's why I do what I do. Um, I want to be worshipped, hero worshipped. Um, but, which reminds me, I love... always makes me laugh. I get a kick out of Vivian. Vivian's great. No, and, um, and then... There's, uh, there's, wait, Mike. what's his Mike. name? Mike. My, of course it's just Mike. Oh my God, Mike. of course. <laughs> but, um, well, because he's like the most normal, but I, I think like he's essential as far as if we're thinking about the young ones as like also a class system, 
So like right. Rick like is the yuppie. Yeah, he well no, he's the criminal class. Oh, like the white collar criminal. Like, yeah, he's yeah. the white collar criminal. Think about like that. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking of him more as like a um kid who like went to like a rich she school, but is now just kind of like trash. No, I definitely think he's from a lower working class background, and he's a criminal. But um, yeah, I think he's like this shyster. Yeah, yeah, that makes totally. sense. He's got his outfit on. He's. I mean, if he was wealthier, if he was wealthier, he would not be in that house with them because he first That's and foremost true. cares about himself. I mean, he's it's him first, you know. Bigger point. Um, yeah, it's funny. I miss I miss a lot sometimes. And Neil is like totally exemplified to exemplifies like making the hippies obviously but the failed hippier he's the he's he's an example of how being a hippie is really just a total failure like you think you're you know an activist in one way but really you're just pathetic and limp you're like not doing anything like you're not action and peace is just and it's like just not action at some point yeah pacifism doesn't work um to the point, I mean, I love in the first episode, he's, like, constantly trying to kill himself, too, and, like, nobody cares. Yeah. Um, and, like, when Mike says, I still think about that when Mike says, like, oh, yeah, cheers, mate, it's just, like, going to sleep. When he's, like, oh, I'm gonna go kill myself now. He's, like, I hear it's just, like, going to sleep. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Vivian, and Vivian is... I think punk rock, punk rock, white trash, just yeah, pure, sure. also pure, like masculine, you know, I mean, he could be an insult today if, uh, if we were going to like update the young ones today. That's true. Um, but yeah, so pure meow, male aggression, uh, punk rocker, but yeah, I definitely, Rick is the one I identify with the most that I'm like the most into my favorite character mm. but it's between him and Neil I love him and and like I like them both too and but, I, yeah, I do I have a thing with Vivian like I can I can like relate to his like just wanting to smash things just break it down to like but he's also he's also a brilliant physicist that's the other thing with Vivian he's actually a really talented student and highly intelligent like he's al- he's huh. always doing the best like sort of experiments like um for instance in the one the flood he's the one who made the concoction that makes you completely psycho that oh, alexi oh my God. yes well the alexi guy was like hilarious with that too that was the one when he did when he was like turning and he's like takes a sip of the coke and he's like, <laughs> like yeah that's, that's his like that's how he turns <laughs> um and well in the first episode he's like i forget what the experiment he had the human leg i forget what the experiment he was doing with that though yeah and then it ended up on the front of the car i i like totally couldn't follow that yeah so but anyway yeah no vivian's actually extremely smart and i did just get to the university episode but i'm sure vivian won it for him but i forget oh the university challenge yeah you watched you yeah, just that's watched it. I, that's definitely like a standout episode for me what, it's a great episode what happens in that one? Because I haven't seen it in like ten years, and I was about well, to watch it. So starts at, it's the one that starts out with Neil like running, and then he like trips over a trash can, like finds a dead bird and puts it in his bag, and then yeah. there's like this whole other part of the episode, um, completely unrelated, 
And then it just ends up, like, circling back around, and, like, Neil's like, oh, yeah, you guys, I remember what I had to tell you. And then it turns into the whole, like, Motorhead playing Ace of Spades montage. Which is brilliant. So fucking good. The musical performances. Like, I I still, like, I'm, like, awed by, like, his fucking coolness singing that song. I'm like, damn, he's cool. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that great montage, and then there's, like, a moment where they, like, arrive, and for some, I don't, that's the thing, like, I feel like, because I was, like, doing other stuff when I was watching it, so then, like, it's, for some reason, Vivian is, like, carrying a pig, and then there's, like, a shot of the pig, and it's, like, you think you had a bad day today, uh, today somebody called me a policeman, like, you know, like, so back to those kind of jokes. Oh, yeah, they, first off, that was the other great thing, is, like, how much they hate cops. And yeah. the, the way cops are, like, totally made fun of in, in literally every episode, they're attacking the police as, like, uh, authoritative, you know, figures that need to be, like, um, called pigs at, at all in every expense, every every episode. So if you want to hate on some cops, if you're feeling the A-cab, you definitely will love watching the young ones because uh, it's literally every episode. Um there's some pig hating. Um, True. Yeah, but anyway, wait. What happens when they get to the games? I didn't. I you know what? I didn't completely finish it. Okay, so you didn't finish it either. I haven't seen it in ten years. I'm gonna watch it again as uh, when we depart from this episode. But I'm gonna call it now. I'm sure Vivian wins it for him because Vivian's is the brains of the. He's the smartest one out of them. The uh, smart one of the young ones. He's the smart one of the young ones. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't pick a favorite. Uh, Mike though, by the way, he's one of, um, Jennifer Saunders' ex-husbands in Abfab too. <gasps> yeah, he's I her. I dinner. I know exactly who you're talking about. Well, first... that's what I was thinking too. I was like, first of all, I have to rewatch Abfab. Second of all, how have we never done an episode on Absolutely Fabulous? We will. Well, we definitely should because Absolutely Fabulous is again. But I have to rewatch it. Another one. Oh yeah, I started rewatching Abfab like last year. It's on Hulu right now, um, and yeah, I watched it. Oh my god, it's <laughs> so good! I watched it to when they so went. Funny. They went on like the French countryside vacation. Her and Pat's. That's like so. It's one of the best ones, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should do an Abfab. But in any case, Mike is uh, one of her ex-husbands. And his character, like, I kind of feel bad. Like, I feel like I ignore him in this show because, like, he's oh, yeah. so subtle. Which is, like, that's... In, he's, like, the straight man character compared to all these, like, psycho, like, crazy, yeah. out-of-control people. Totally. He's, like, the chill one. Yeah. Um, but he's always working a scheme in literally every, every episode. Um, but also, again, we were... People theorize um, another Young Ones trivia is that Stewie from The Family Guy is based off Rick Mayall's character from the from the Young Ones. And, you have told me that. Oh, it's it's not just me who thinks it, but I was one hundred percent positive it was because there is one episode where Rick is literally wearing Stewie's outfit, the the overalls with the yellow shirt. It's the one where they have a party that Jennifer Saunders is in. And it's literally that episode, he's, that's Stewie's outfit. And so from then that's on, amazing. I was just like, he totally is based off uh, Rick Mayall's character, Stewie. Amazing. It is amazing. Okay, so we've been talking for a while now. I think we need to, yeah. like, we need I to sum it up. I have to go make dinner. 
I have I have womanly responsibilities to take care of. Um, I have to let Gus start cooking dinner. Um, nice, nice. But, I want to come live at your house. Yeah. Where the men cook. Where Just kidding. Men. Carl's working right now. Um, closing thoughts on the young ones. It's such a um, good show. Great show. Underrated. Really, you think it's underrated? Because I feel like everyone I ever talked to about this show, like, is like, it's amazing. I guess in society, underrated. Maybe not as popular as it should be. Maybe I should have said. I was I'm kind of sad it didn't come into my life until I was in my 20s when, as a child, I was watching Monty Python and as a teenager, like, I was eating up absolutely fabulous. Like, I'm total uh, comedy geek. Controversial. Uh, the Young Ones is like a million times better than Monty Python. I mean, now watching it, like, I, I feel like the. Actually, that was one of the things that, because what I was going to say earlier, and I really do have a, just my heart is full of Monty Python, but I um, was going to say that I feel like the humor holds up better than in Monty Python. Yes, because that's the thing. Like, I got so much out of it from what I'm experiencing in politics now. I got so much comedic relief in the young ones that yeah. nothing, like, it, it's like as if it was being made fucking today. Well, right, and also, you know what it it's is, incredible. too? It's the chaos. It's the chaos. It's, like, the quick, like, cut, like, the quick editing and stuff like that. And, like, because if, if you think about it, like, a lot of these, like, Monty Python movies and, like, the show and everything was, right, that was the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the early 80s, everything changed because of MTV. And, like, TV started to look different and things were faster. And, like, yeah. So I feel like that it, that probably that quicker pace is more of what we're used to today than when you go back even like 10 years earlier and see some of the Monty Python stuff. Yeah. It's, and also I feel like Monty Python was like, um, stuck in, they were like stuck in a, like we do absurd humor. This is absurdism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, the parrot, what's that parrot? I feel like the Monty Python, the parrot skit is like a classic of mm-hmm. theirs. Yeah. The dead parrot. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's like a classic example of like, but of their humor and then literally once you uh roll get into that absurdism with them and go for the ride you're gonna enjoy it it's funny but the young ones is like so it's it's politically smart it talks about um now granted i know the uh monty python does like cultural type of uh critique as well and, and they bring art into it like obviously collage is like a big part of their animation and stuff like that um so monty python is a pioneer of being more artistic in that sort of way but like yeah the young ones is just so much more i would say artistic and like a dadaist or like a situationist sort of um way that is so much more clever and not as pop popular like, I feel like the cultural references, as far as art goes with Monty Python, is more like, you know, modernism or post like, you know, postmodernism. Like, oh, it's Picasso, Van Gogh. We're talking about, mm-hmm. we're ta- we mentioned Picasso in a skit. Well, I mean, cool. But um, the young ones, like, so much more so are talking about philosophy and art as chaos. And I was going to say like, chaos, yeah, yeah. And art is like, uh, you know, a means of political revolution. Like, for instance, I mean, their lead character, one of the lead characters is the people's poet. The like, people's talking, poet. You know, like, so 
Um, in that sort of way, I feel like the young ones is way more hip artistically. Um, I, that yeah, makes sense to me. They're just, it's just so much. I would be like, I guess my closing statement is my hot take is that the young ones is 500 times better than anything. Um, I actually, I can't even think of uh, a, a comedy show that, you know, uh, except it's for a absolute, close comparison. absolutely fabulous, I would say. I was just going to say that. And it makes sense it's because, different. yeah, it's a collective. Fab way more based in reality. Yes, Fab's way more based in reality than The Young Ones. But um, The Young Ones definitely has a solid familial base. Like, Neil is the mom. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Rick, uh, Mike is the dad. Mm. Rick is the teenager, adolescent, and yeah, Vivian's sure. like a baby the or whatever. Sh- the baby, yeah, the boy, the little boy. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely a traditional family dynamic going on, sitcom familial dy- dynamic going on. The young ones, um, but still, so much more chaos and. Well, right. I mean, and it's like things will be totally out of left field. Like, for example, um, what's her face? What I don't know what her first name is. French from French and Saunders comes in, and isn't that her? Like that comes in in like the bunny suit, and she's like, "It's Easter time!" Like, oh, oh, and like they're like, "No, it's August!" And she's like, "Oh," and she like just leaves. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) My God, yeah. Uh, well, in any case, and for me though too, I do. I just think if you're if you're listening to us talk about it and you're getting excited about the young ones, I do want to say I do think you should do an episode, just one, and just do one. I don't think it's I good for think binging that's fair. because I did try to binge it and it was just too overwhelming for me. I I hmm. couldn't do it. Interesting. See, I I'm very I don't know. I like just like kind of sunk into the chaos of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, it but, was also yeah, it is a lot. really sad um, to watch it this round. This is the first time I watched it since Rick Mayall has died. Mm. Um, I haven't rewatched it since he died. And it's I love him so much that it was like really sad for me to watch it in a way. Yeah, I, was like, I didn't put together that he was dead. Yeah, I was like, he's not alive anymore. Like, oh. it's so much more sad. And he died young. He was like 54 or 56. I was going to say, that wasn't like that long ago. Yeah, he died young. Um, yeah. Everyone else is alive, which makes yeah. me happy. Because I like watching and knowing that they're alive because they're brilliant. And, um, yeah. I mean, let's not get into the whole idea of how time is, you know... I mean, are they alive? Maybe he is alive. Uh, oh, you mean... Uh, oh, no, this is real. He could be alive, um, certainly. Yes, in another timeline. I shouldn't... Yeah, or, After you all, know, just maybe... I, I don't know. We did... There, there has... There's definitive proof um, that there is a parallel universe. Now, let's not forget, in the news cycle that came out, um, that we have definitive proof that there is a parallel. What? You didn't hear about this? Oh my no. god, Marine! Oh my god, this is so your thing. You need to go and read well, I about mean, this. I will, and it is. After but it's still, it makes me really nervous about why someone's putting okay. information like that out there. I, well, there's that, and there's also uh, the Pentagon came out and said that yes, UFOs are real, and and I mean they keep footage. doing that. 
they, this has happened like every yeah. three months for the past fucking year yeah. that the government has come out and said that UFOs are real. Get yeah. a fucking grip. Losers. Like, it's just distractions. I know, but it's still creepy when they like just come out and say it like that. You're like, why are you telling me this now? Because we're in the middle of because a pandemic. Because we're not freaked out by it anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. why. I mean, who? it's either a distraction or it's like really true and this is a good time to put it out there. And yeah. I feel like people aren't going to lose their shit anymore. I mean, I do certainly believe that there's other dimensions and I guess what I was trying to say is that time's probably not linear so like in a sense he's still alive exactly well that's what I was going to say about this parallel so there's definitive evidence about a parallel universe and what they have proved they proved that it actually exists and how it exists is um, it's a parallel universe where time runs backwards so it's our universe backwards and it exists (laughs) That's very specific. Isn't that fucking crazy? It is, but I mean, honestly, like, the fact that we have quantum computers now in the world, like, we should, like, theoretically have so many more answers than we have, and we probably do. And I honestly feel like some of, like, the, like, fucked upness of the world, I don't know, I feel like maybe we fucked something up, but I'm not going to get started on that right now, and I just made myself sound, like, totally insane and crazy on our podcast, so. With that, um. Wouldn't be the first time. I think our timeline is broken. Right now, you think our timeline is broken? Oh, yeah, I think it, like, broke sometime. I don't know, maybe it's just always been broken. Oh, shit. But, like, our reality, as it has been constructed, I feel, for most of my life in the past five years, has, like, completely came to, like, it's just exploded. Wow, that would make a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, I think that they're in there fucking with shit, and I think that, like, potentially some parts of, like, what makes our reality real to us is falling away. But uh, I don't know. We should... that's, I don't know if that's just, like, human evolution, and we just happen to live, uh-huh. be living through a time that's, like, a faster evolution than we've experienced ourselves, so it just seems crazy. I don't know. We should talk about this, our next episode. We should do par- yeah. parallel universes, or... I'm going to read that thing. Fractured timelines. Well, I'm sure fractured timelines would come into parallel universe. Yes, I love this shit. Okay, cool. We'll do this for the next episode. But uh, for now, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you about the young ones. I'm going to watch another episode of it after this and slowly enjoy it uh, throughout the summer. I'm just gonna like. I'm so glad that I just randomly turned it on again um, a couple weeks ago, and also I'm very glad because. I mean, I've been on this kick where I'm trying to pay for movies and not steal them. And I was like, oh, I should just purchase the young ones. And then I was like, it was like too expensive. It was like they were like asking for too much money. And then I saw, I forgot and saw again that it's totally free on YouTube yeah. because some yeah. wonderful young, young Ones fan put it on there. It should be like classical music. The Young Ones should be like public access forever. Um, I think you're right. Because it's that beautiful. And, um, <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And Bye, listeners. I'm not, Marine, I'm going to say goodbye to you on the podcast. But, uh-huh. um, but then uh, I'm going to say so goodbye. Do you want to have a private goodbye? I'm going to do a private goodbye because I want to tell you that I love you, but I don't want to say it on the podcast. You want to say it privately. It's more meaningful yeah. that way. Okay, it's not so. And not on speakerphone. Bye, podcast friends. No, I'm going to still say it. Keep you on speakerphone. Bye, podcast friends. Podcast. Doo-doo-doo. Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes.